0: Welcome to Lift Up Nations. I'm Rob Leach, and today's episode is about apologetics. And my special guest is Jake Vazquez. Hello, Jake.
1: Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. This is a, It's an honor to be here. As we were just talking about, I love what you're doing. I love this ministry. And it truly is an honor to be a part of this.
0: And same here. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. So, I, tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we get into uh, the deep things about apologetics.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, my name is Jake Vasquez. Um, I am just recently married and just had our firstborn daughter. Um, so a lot's been going on at home. We're super excited about everything God's doing. Um, but it's been an amazing journey um, in my Christian faith. Uh, my wife and I both gave our life to Christ about two years ago. Um, and ever since then, we've been, or I've been deeply studying the Bible into apologetics and it's just been a great ride. Um so it's been it's been amazing.
0: Great. So I do have questions for you. Yeah. Um I'm pretty sure everybody wants to know. <laughs> uh can you explain what apologetics means to you and why it's important to your ministry?
1: Yeah, so before defining apologetics, I'll start with how I got into it um, and then I'll go into there. All right. So um as I, I didn't grow up um in the church my parents weren't religious uh which i find now is a blessing more than a curse because it got me to weigh the evidence without any bias um not that having family bias is bad but it just gave me a better way to look at it a new way to look at it um but i always had questions as a kid i always wondered why are we here what happens after we die and i think everyone wonders that at some point i had that thought around 13 um and every time i went to someone it was always don't worry about it. Just be a kid. Go live your life. Be happy. And I did. I focused on sports. I played college baseball. I did all that. Um, and thankfully, um, I did have a grandmother who is a Roman Catholic to this day. She was the only person to share Jesus to me, the gospel. Uh, didn't stick. I didn't get a, have a relationship with him. But I did know or have that knowledge of who Jesus was. Uh, but nonetheless, fast forward going into college. Um, after distracting myself for so long, life hit. Uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and then it, it hit home, and it was harder to distract myself from the questions, the real questions. Um, so I started going to what I what I knew best was to go to the Catholic service, and I started going. I didn't uh, do any of the prayers to Mary or anything. It was just going to pray to Jesus. I didn't even open the Bible, so I didn't have a deep relationship. Um, and that helped. It wasn't a genuine relationship, but it was enough to get me through that time. Uh, mm. she's healthy now, thank God. Um, that's a blessing. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, th- that had me focus back on those questions, those meaningful questions. And, um, and then fast forward even further, I ended up meeting, uh, my now wife out of college and we went to a Catholic service and we both felt this huge tugging on our heart. It was telling us, he was telling us that this just isn't right. There's something wrong here. And it's nothing against our Catholic brothers and sisters, uh, but it was such a significant tugging that we listened to it, we felt like we had to. Uh, Unfortunately, instead of following it, we went down the route of New Ageism and tarot cards and all that stuff, trying to find the satisfaction. Never got it. Um, And then her friend, one of Katie's friends, invited us to a Christian church and that was when my whole life changed. And it wasn't even the message, it was the Smiling faces, the warm welcomes, the welcome home signs, as you've seen yeah, probably yeah. a million times <laughs> at every
0: every every non denominational church we have around yeah, here. They, yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it, it was a sight to see, and not what I'm used to in a Catholic service. Um, and that convicted me of all my sins and all my wrongdoing. Um, so I really felt like this this has this is real. There's something to this. Um, and I eventually started opening the Bible, reading the Bible, studying it, um, and Then I started seeing the answers to those questions that I had. And I started having more questions because you're going to have more than that if you start answering those questions. Um, And then I started going into apologetics. That's when I was introduced to people like William Lane Craig, Christian philosopher, Frank Turek, Greg Kokel, all these guys that we'll probably talk about today um, that helped really uh, lay out those answers to the questions. And I started having conversations with other people And they would raise objections, and I was like, "How it doesn't even make sense. I just read that answer, and it's so much more reasonable. If only you knew what I'm reading, and I could articulate it in a better way. Um, So once I learned how to do that, it's been something I just want to share with the rest of the church. Great. So that's how I got into apologetics. Um, Now, to define it, uh, it's not—I'll tell you what it's not first. It's not apologizing for being a Christian. A lot of people might think, oh— you're saying that you're sorry for being a Christian. I want nothing to do with that. Well, that's not at all what it is. Um, the term apologetics simply means defending the faith. Um, and I know that that doesn't really correlate with the word and how it looks like apology, but it actually comes from the Bible. The foundational verse for apologetics is 1 Peter 3.15. Um, I actually have it here, so I'm going to read it. It says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect that word defense in greek is apologia i could be pronouncing that wrong i do not know greek but so if any of your yeah. greek listener are greek then i'm sorry <laughs> but i'm yeah, sorry uh, yeah <laughs> but it means defense as a as in as a court of law defense so you're using arguments and reasoning to defend the truth truth claims that you're raising um so that's what apologetics is and if we have time or if we get into it, I do think it's worth also touching on faith versus reason, um, and the with how to distinguish those two as well.
0: Yeah, we can add that in. Okay. Uh, so my next question is what led you to become interested in apologetics and how has it influenced your faith journey?
1: Yeah, so, um, I think those big questions, those major questions about what happens after we, after death, what, how did we get here? Is there life, is there purpose to life? Um, and I didn't really get those answers in any other worldview that I tried or looked into except Christianity. Christianity explains perfectly everything that is. It explains the answers to reality. Um, and then apologetics has just deepened, uh, the foundation of my faith. It's just deepened the roots. So it gives me a foundation to stand on in addition to the inner witness of the Holy spirit.
0: Good. Um, Cause I've had people talk to me. I've told people that you were coming on hmm. and they were like, why is it called apologetics yeah. <laughs> when, when you're not apologizing for the Bible? You're just, you're, you're, you know, I said, it's for defending the Bible and the word. Hmm. And they were like, I was like, you have to listen to understand yeah. what what Apologetics is. So everyone out there, listen up.
1: And it, it's it is defending the reliability of the Gospels, the Word of God. Um, it's also defending God's existence, and not even defending as if He needs defending, but just answering objections. Um, and I, I could touch on faith and if if it's okay with yeah, you, yeah, yeah, go touch ahead. Faith and reason,
0: yeah, as, as long as you're. Uh... Going with it? Go ahead. Yeah,
1: so I think it's important, especially when we go through apologetics, because first and foremost, I like to define what faith means. Uh, A lot of people in modern-day culture, they like to add the words leap of or blind to faith, as if it's wishful thinking. Uh, But that is not at all what we see in the Bible. It's not biblical faith. Uh, What we see in the Bible is actually, um, it could be said as, Trusting in something you have good reasons to believe in—that's active trust. That's the kind of faith that we see in the Bible. And I'm going to pull up uh, Hebrews 11:1, which I think best defines it. It says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen." Uh, those words, assurance and conviction, do not seem like wishful thinking. So no. there's a reason for that. And the question now becomes, how do we get that assurance and how do we get that conviction? Uh, and this is where I think faith and reason um, has been misunderstood and that faith has been misunderstood. Um, and this has really dr- been drawn out to split the church in a way. There's been groups called evidentialists who believe that Christianity is irrational without positive evidence. And then there's the opposite spectrum that there's groups that believe Christianity is doesn't have, has no room for evidence. There's no need for it. Faith is enough. Um, but William Lane Craig using Alvin Plantinga, who's a Christian philosopher, I think marries them perfectly, finds the perfect balance. Because we just, using the biblical definition of faith, it's not contradictory. So there has to be a middle ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what he he does is he distinguishes between knowing Christianity to be true and showing it to be true. You could know Christianity to be true by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And we mm-hmm. find that in Romans 8. It says, if you cry out, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit will indwell within you and serve as the inner witness to your spirit, giving you the basic truth claims, assuring you, as we see in Hebrews 11.1. So the believer doesn't need to know arguments and evidence and be a certain type of scholar or intellectual to be a Christian. That would create sort of an intellectual cult, saying you have to know this much to be a Christian. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're warranted to be a Christian without reason and evidence. However apologetics comes in to be so beneficial on top of knowing. So you're already warranted with the Holy Spirit. Now you're doubly, as William Lane Craig puts it, warranted with reason and evidence. So you have even more confirmation that your faith is true. Um, And I do also want to mention this inner witness of the Holy Spirit. It's subjective to the believer. So me and you, we might not experience the same inner witness, but we have objective knowledge of that it's the Spirit of God. Um, So then one might ask, well, what about the unbeliever? We know that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit indwells in those who confess that Jesus is Lord and God. We get that. But what about the one who hasn't done that? We learn in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit has a whole separate ministry for unbelievers, and that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sins and convict them of their righteousness and ultimately lead them freely, because he's not going to force anything, Mm -hmm to respond to the Holy Spirit's invitation. So that's another way non-believers can know. And then we could obviously point out why reason and evidence would be good to show mm-hmm. that it's true for the unbeliever. Um, and then going into showing it to be true. I know I'm going on a spiel here, but I think I do think it's important. It's all
0: good. It's, it's educational.
1: Yeah, I do think it, it's good for people to know this when talking about apologetics. Um, when showing Christianity to be true, we could use reason and evidence, we could use the various arguments we might go over today, but the Holy Spirit's still at work because it's the Holy Spirit that uses those arguments that then um, allows or freely persuades non-believer to consider Christianity and cons- to consider that knocking on their heart, that longing that they have for something more, and that's the Holy Spirit, so we're not doing God's work, we're not showing it to be true without the Holy Spirit. it's all the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. we're just trying to be disciples and disciple others and do what Jesus told us to do, which is to make a reasonable case for Christianity, for the faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stand to Reason, which is an apologetics ministry, and we'll talk about that in a bit as well. They lay out four key points um, as to why apologetics is useful. One, the Bible commands it. Right, We're followers of the Word of God. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, as we just saw, to be apologists, to be prepared at least. You don't have to be a scholar and physics and science and all these mm-hmm. different uh, schools of thought, but you should be prepared. You should, you should know why you believe Christianity to be true. Um, and then the next one is the culture commanded. Um So we're, we're living, as you know, in a culture that's very relativistic, yeah. sexual and moral, a lot of things anti-Bible going on. And the last thing we want is Christianity to be viewed in culture as some sort of myth or wishful thinking sort of how Westerners view Hinduism or other beliefs, world views, we want people to consider Christianity as a reasonable faith so that they could really look at it and say, that makes sense. I'm going to actually consider that and not just wave it off. Um, so it's really good in shaping culture. Three, the church needs it. Um, there's been studies that show that the youth is leaving the church at large in waves, mainly because of doubts they're having, Sexual, uh, what the Bible has to say about sex, and, yeah, cohabitation, yeah, and it's the, big, yeah, and excus- the exclusivity of the of Jesus being the only way. They can't reason with that, but apologetics has great, compelling, reasonable answers for all of those issues, so it could retain the youth and further the kingdom, which is exactly what we should all want as believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, lastly, the results confirm it. Um, apologetics has been used. I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. i watched yeah. the movie and the book. So he was, for those of you who don't know, he was an atheist for a long time, an um, investigative journalist, and he went out to disprove the resurrection. He went through all the evidence, all the interviews, and he couldn't disprove it. He ended up being a devout Christian, and now he's inspired millions of people. Um, William Lane Craig is another one. He came to faith through reasons. Uh, J. Warner Wallace, he's an investigative, uh, he's a detective who sought out to disprove Christianity using his detective capabilities. Ended up being a devout Christian because he couldn't find any uh, evidence against it. And now he teaches Christians how to use his detective capabilities to support the Bible. That's awesome. So apologetics has a flip side of turning non-believers into inspirations for the church.
0: Um, That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so I I did want to lay that out. So it's so your listeners know apologetics is not anti-faith. Um, I myself am a scientist. I'm a bioinformatic scientist in cancer research. Uh, I look at my work as glorifying God by studying his revelation in nature. Uh, and I think we need to see science and reason and evidence as ways that we could show that Christianity is true and not run away from it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. So... Uh... Could you share an example of a challenging question or something someone in your church uh, brought to you that you would approach it in an apologetic way?
1: Mm. Well, so last year I hosted my first apologetics class, a small group within the church. And we talked about everything from the various arguments for God's existence to Jesus being the only way. and all these issues, and uh, a big one was morality. Uh, Objective morality. Morality being objective, not subjective. And Mm -hmm. by objective, I mean independent of what one thinks. Uh, And that was a big one because it's an argument called the moral argument, and it goes like this. It says, um, if God does not exist, objective morals do not exist. That's the first premise. Second premise is objective morals do exist. Third premise, therefore, God exists. So it's a deductive argument. Um, it logically follows. Now the only thing we have to do is say, are the premises true? And we went through it. They they were a little standoffish at first because it's a very arbitrary argument, which all deductive arguments are. Uh, but we went through it, and I think we all see the evil in the world. We know that rape and murder; those are wrong, no matter where you live, what time you lived at, and ha- for what reason it's justified for being done. That's objective wrongdoing. The question is, where does that come from? What is it man's doing? Because then it's not objective, it's subjective. We could have, some people say, it's through evolution. So if we just rewind the clock, and we evolved in a different way, where death and rape was okay, are we just to say, oh, I guess it'd be okay? That's hard to believe. I think we all, through our moral experience, can agree on that. Um. So this morality comes from a transcendent source above us. Um, And what we found, what I found was, and William Lane Craig touched on this, he said a lot of people will bounce back and forth. They'll accept the first premise, deny the second. And then, when you reason with that, they'll deny the second and accept the first, and they'll just keep going back and forth, because eventually you'll come to the conclusion atheism doesn't answer this question only if God exists answers this question. Um, So that was something that I taught on and we had a long discussion about, uh, which ended up being really helpful. Cool. Yeah. My, my whole thing is that we go back to Adam and Eve,
0: Mm. right? And there's no doubt in my mind that we all exist because of God, because of Adam and Eve. Yeah. What did Adam and Eve do? What every kid does that doesn't even know the word no. Yeah. They do it. Mm -hmm. So where does that come from? Right. That's instilled in them, not. It's, it's planted in them. It's not like it's, they go, huh, I, I want to think about that. No. They're like, don't do that. I'm going to touch it. Right. And And that's the same thing with the, the tree. Yep. You know, don't touch, you can have anything in this garden. Just don't touch that tree.
1: Right. And I guess why is that wrong? If atheism is true, doing something's wrong, it just, it's, there is no wrong. Like as Richard Dawkins famously said, there's no good, no bad, no purpose. Everything just is, and you'd have to—that has to make sense. That's how you live a consistent life in an atheistic worldview, because you're saying that we evolved from a single-cell organism randomly, from a fish to a tree to then an animal and a monkey and then a human, all randomly. So we're just a bunch of molecular machines, and how can you even trust your own rational rationalization if that's the case? Yeah, we had to have been designed to think rationally and make rational decisions based on a standard that was put on put on us and in us from above
0: correct yeah all right
1: so and then, i will i will add one more thing i'm go sorry ahead, go ahead. that's go also on. my favorite one of my favorite arguments i think all of them are are, are my favorite but that's one of them um, because it does answer a crucial uh objection to christianity which we'll touch on a little later okay, on okay cool
0: in your experience, what are some of the common misconceptions or objections people have about Christianity, and how do you address them?
1: Mm. I think, I think a lot of the biggest misconception is the word faith. At least in my, in my opinion, that I've seen so far, um, if because if you have the misunderstanding of faith, and everything can be misunderstood. Because then you're just saying, you know, if someone comes to you with doubts, and they're like, hey, I'm really struggling with the resurrection of Christ. Like, I need I need to see more. Like, how'd that happen? How'd it play out? And you just say to them, just have more faith. it doesn't really help them. And then they're pressured to be a good Christian and say, okay, I'll have more faith. But what does that even mean? So, you know, we want to be reasonable with them and say, okay, you know, you're having doubts just like everybody else. Let's go through it. Here's the evidence that seems really compelling. And also pray on it. Pray that the Holy Spirit can show you what you need to see so that you can understand further why the resurrection of Christ is reliable. Um, and again, it comes back to that word faith. It's active trust. I think that's the best way to put it. And a good example of active trust, like an illustration, would be if uh, I usually use the illustration of a chair. So like if you were to see me build a chair, I'm building it together, I've got parts, you got all the screws, here I have a perfect chair. You believe that I built that chair, you saw it happen, or maybe someone else told you, like Katie told you I built this chair, you yeah. trust her, right? But do you have active faith, active trust to sit in that chair? Do you trust me enough to put your whole body in that chair, despite the possibility that you might fall? That's faith. It's reasonable because you're saying, well, who built it? Oh, Victor. How do I know it? Maybe I saw him, maybe Katie told me, I trust Katie, here's how she told me via text, you know, whatever it is. And you're using that evidence in your mind to rationally make the conclusion, I'm going to trust this. And that's what faith is, actively trusting because of the good reasons that we have to do so.
0: Yeah, and and I'm big on listening to God. So it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's actively listening to him to see where he wants you to go in life and what he wants you to do. So you have to have faith in what you're hearing to actually listen to it to move forward.
1: Right, and that goes back to the knowing and showing, right? And you say you listen to God, you hear that you feel the tugging on your heart or spirit. Now, if someone were to come up to you and say, well, prove to me that's God, you're not going to point to your experience because you might be going against a Muslim who has his own experience with Muhammad or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So now, instead of pointing to how you know Christianity to be true as a premise, as an argument, you'll say, well, this is how I know it. And William Lane Craig, in the book Reasonable Faith, if your listeners want to buy it, I highly recommend it he lays out a really cool paragraph where he kind of role plays. And he says, if someone were to ask me, how do I know it to be true or how can I prove it? He would say uh, something like along the lines, well, I know it because the Holy spirit indwells within me. I have this experience, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. I could, so I, but, I, but I could show it to you to be true by some pieces of evidence and arguments that I find really compelling. So you're, you have extra support for your belief. It's not just, well, I hear from God, so it's true. You know what I mean? It, it's It's, deeper
0: yeah because a lot of people do that they're like oh god told me to do this god told sometimes it's you sometimes enemy right sometimes it's god
1: and that takes logic and reason so and that's another thing too we live in a you know in a culture of of truth and people will say well prove to me that's true we even do that to ourselves i need to prove to myself that that's true it's just the western society that we're in right now Mm -hmm. um and apologetics can help with that you know We know that the Spirit of God will not be telling us something contrary to the Bible. So we could look at the Bible, reason with it, say, does it conflict with what I'm hearing? If it does, I need to reason with what I'm hearing and see if it's compatible. If not, I need to follow that. Um, And then, again, if you go against a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu, you could reason with them and see, well, which one of our worldviews is plausible and fits with reality.
0: Cool. Uh, so my next question, how do you navigate the fine line between defending your faith and respecting the beliefs of others in different religion backgrounds and worldviews?
1: It's a great question. And I want to go back to the first Peter three fifteen verse on it up now. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to emphasize uh, the part that answers this question, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, apologia. Anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, this is the emphasis, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So he's not saying be defensive. He's not saying be, have an attitude, yell at the person, shame the person. We're told in scripture that everybody is made in the image of God, whether you're a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim, Mm -hmm. you're misled, you're led astray, but you're still made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. I still love you as a brother and a sister. And it's because that I love you so much that I want to use apologetics to help show you that this is the right way and you're going down the wrong path. If I didn't love you, I would just say, keep on going, buddy. You know, yeah, have a yeah. good time. <laughs> have a good life. Right. But that's not love. And I actually, that's, we could have a whole separate episode on love and culture. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what it comes down to is respecting the person. And uh, Greg Cokel at Stand to Reason, he wrote a book called Tactics. Um I highly recommend it. It's about how to actively engage others, non-believers, using apologetics in a tactical tactful way. Um, it's all about respect. It's all about listening. He says, just listen to the person. Ask questions when they say Christianity isn't true. He says, what do you mean by that? Have them spill it out. I believe this. What's your evidence? Like, listen to them, hear them out, and then reason with them. It doesn't have to be an argument. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to plant some seeds here and there. He says the goal is to put a stone in their shoe or a rock. Yep. And if you ever walk around and you get a walk, rock in your shoe, you're like, oh, what is that? And it's so annoying. And yep. he says that's what we could do with apologetics. We don't have to bring everyone to Christ right away. We think evangelism is like that nowadays. But really, you just have to get plant some seed, let the Holy Spirit does what He does, and do what you do. Mm-hmm. You seed and garden, He harvests. Mm-hmm. So if we Maybe plant an argument that was compelling that he didn't think about until a little later, he'll say, What what was Rob saying that day? That was really bothers me. I can't I can't wrap my head around it other than to submit that God is God exists. And that is what the Holy Spirit he could work with that.
0: Oh yeah. And that's that's what I do with my clients. Right. I I, I put little seeds, I play um different sermons. Like if they say something when they're talking, and God's like, play this for them. Mm. I'll go play it for them. And then they're like, I really need to hear that. And then they're like, I never thought about it that way. Wow. Or I never thought about it this way.
1: Yeah. And, and that's just, all you're doing. That's, that's all we're here for. A, yeah, we're
0: yeah. here to love people and love God. That's it. Yeah, We're yeah. not here for like um, trying to drag people to Christianity. Yeah. Period. It's it's not going to work that way. It's just like a kid. Mm. You tell them not to do something, they're going to do it. It's the same thing with every every person in society. And they a, have to figure it out yeah. and come to it. You can't do anything except plant the seed and let God do the work.
1: And there's a flip side to that, right? If I don't do it with gentleness and respect, what is to follow? I'll tell you what's not to follow. You're probably not going to get them to consider Christianity. <laughs> ever, probably, maybe. <laughs> right, ever. You might just turn them away for good. And that's the last thing we want. We're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win them to Christ. We're trying to show them Like Jesus talked about being the light Being the light, he didn't say talk the light He didn't say speak the light He Mm. said be the light Go out there, love others, be kind But also be prepared to give a defense And there's a way to do that respectfully and gently Uh, And I think more people need to focus on that Because uh, it's easy, It's very easy to get so caught up in arguments And a sense of pride can get brought forward from Mm. that but we need to be humble. I pray for that every day, for humbleness, because it's, like I said, it's easy to read all this stuff and be like, oh, I have so many arguments. I have so much evidence. But you're talking to another human being made in the image of God, seeking the Lord, which is evidence that the Holy Spirit's knocking out their heart. What a fantastic opportunity. Like, we should feel honored to even be in that scenario. Exactly. To be able to share the gospel. It's not about us, about getting them to Christ. Exactly.
0: And that being said, one of my episodes was about the enemy, mm. and you know, First Peter, uh, five eight, uh, be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, is lurking around, ready to devour someone. Yep. Same thing. You need to be prepared. The problem is most Christians aren't prepared to have somebody go against them. And that's the biggest struggle that I've noticed that a lot of Christians have. They don't know how to defend the Bible, so that's where apologetics comes in. Right,
1: exactly. And out of that, and they don't know how to defend it, and they're also fearful. Because they're saying, well, I don't want to step on their toes. If a family member, right? That's You never, Thanksgiving dinner, you never want to talk about it. Yeah. And you're fearful. Politics is, and religion. That's right. the thing they always say, never talk about. at the dining yep. table, right? But you could have that conversation. It doesn't have to get ugly. And it doesn't have to end in someone coming to Christ or not coming to Christ. It yep. could be a simple, you know, been, th- been praying for you. Even that could go a long way. Because then they say, "What do you mean? Why?" And then you, boom, you're into apologetics, preach yep. and show them, you know, why apologetic, why Christianity is true. Um, so I think we just need to be led by the Spirit, be respectful, be gentle, and remember to stand stand strong on our foundation of Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because
1: I did another episode about
0: um going to get something to eat like a chipotle Mm. and stand there and be like you know what it got god's great this is a beautiful day yeah and then somebody else will be like yeah god is great and i'm like that's what i that's that and that's the way i approach people which some people think it needs to go hey you need to go to church hey you need to do this no you just need to say something about God or something about the Holy Spirit in front of them right and let them resonate wherever they need to be and wherever they receive it let God the Holy
1: Spirit do their work my pastor at United Church I know you visited yes, which is yes. awesome great seeing you yeah um, pastor David he he held a Bible study and I went and we were learning about Ephesians it was great we talked about uh, being an evangelist or being in the ministry and Everyone, I feel like, wants to be a pastor and wants to do the church roles. But he was making the point that we're all ministers. Mm-hmm. all the time. And Stand to Reason calls it you're an ambassador for Christ. Not just an evangelist. You're not just an apologist. You're an ambassador. That means you represent Christ in how you act, and how you speak, and how you love. All of that. And he was saying, he was like, at your day jobs, how you act can lead to someone saying, Hey, why are you so happy on a Monday morning? Why are you so engaging? Like, you only had one cup of coffee. Why are you so excited? And then that is an invitation to explaining the truth, to explaining why you are so happy. And it it goes much further than you being miserable and down because you're so focused on one role in the church when you're missing such an opportunity that God's presenting at your job.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I'm, I, I do apologetics after listening to it that I don't even know I'm doing. Exactly. It because <laughs> I'm at church, I'm, me and my wife are the head of hospitality mm. and I stand at the door and hug everybody. Yeah. Even if they, even if they don't want to, I try. Yeah. Um, because I believe that that's one of the best things to make people feel loved. Yeah. But also they're like, why is he always hugging people? Why mm-hmm. is he always happy? Why is he always this? Yeah. And then the reason why is because I see what God's doing in the world and, and in my life, mm. and I want that for others. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel bad when people don't have what I have in life
1: because they don't see it. Right. And you, and just that simple act of kindness can lead to a host of questions. Hey, you're so nice. I have questions for you about the reliability of the Gospels. and. Being, being prepared, again, doesn't mean you have to be, you know, an expert on the historical documents of the Gospels, but having some basic knowledge of it would help. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that we have 5,000 copies of the New Testament and that they date back to within, some scholars are pointing to a few years of the resurrection. So, like, knowing this information is really helpful, and again, we could plant some small seeds in doing so.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So. What do you advise for someone who would be interested in engaging in apologetics in the future? Like, they want to dabble in it in the future and go, yeah. you know what? I think I want to be a part of that.
1: Yeah. Um, I st- so I'll tell you how I started. I started by simply researching on gotquestions.org, which I love their ministry. It's all biblical answers. Um. And then I got into reading books. I've never been a reader until I got into apologetics. And I've been reading books like crazy. Katie will tell you that I order too many books. But it's helpful. And you're absorbing knowledge. Um, I have a couple books I definitely recommend. Um, Tactics, like I mentioned, by Greg Kokel. He just came out with his new book called Street Smarts. I read one chapter today. (laughs) The first chapter. So I'll let you know how it is when I'm done. I'm sure it's great. Um, reasonable faith, if you're interested in some deep philosophical insight william Lane Cra- by William Lane Craig, he has debated all the top atheists uh, for the for a long time Richard Dawkins um, you name it all of them, and he's been such a great, respectful debater, Christian, and he's wrote tons of great work, so I highly recommend if you have any listeners that are really want to dive deep. Uh, Go into his work, reasonablefaith.org. Tactics and Stand to Reason gives more of a high level, but still deep at the same time. They have great apologists there, but they give more of a way to be uh, have a tactic into going into culture and using that information. So it's not just learning, it's how do you apply it to talking with a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon or an atheist. Like, how do you apply those things? Um, and then lastly, shameless plug, Um, If you have anyone local in Delaware that's looking to learn more about apologetics, I'm actually partnering with Stand to Reason, um, hosting an outpost. So an outpost is a place where you get to learn apologetics, um, bring your questions, bring your doubts, and we could all discuss them together. I'm hosting that Monday nights at 6 p.m. at United Church in Milford. Um, So I'm the director, and we'll be going through tons of arguments, such as science and the Bible, or science and faith, um, why apologetics which is mostly what we talked about today yep. The reliability of the gospels homosexuality in the bible um, so all these different topics that I'm going to be t- touching on so it could be a good intro into apologetics oh great
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to say or leave to people that are listening to this podcast that would help them uh, be more towards apologetics than uh, not
1: yeah, I I would say I would say don't be afraid to tackle your doubts. Um, I've definitely had a couple of people very close to me um, say like I'm having doubts, and it becomes like a I'm having doubts, so I'm not a faithful Christian in their heads. That's what a lot of times we're told via social media and everything, not in the Bible. Because mm-hmm. doubts are normal. John the Baptist had doubts when he thought Jesus wasn't the risen Messiah because he was locked in jail. And Jesus actually pointed to his miracles using Old Testament prophecy mm-hmm. the death are healed the blind are healed you know they could see yeah. so that's apologetics right there is using reason um so I think if you have doubts take it to the word read the word and look for those answers because they're there the answers are there i've I've looked at the I've tried looking into the deepest questions and the answers are there the existence of God um, tackle them head on.
0: Okay, great. Um, And as always, everybody that comes on as a special guest or does a testimony uh, will say the closing prayer.
1: Sure. All right. Thank you, God, for a great conversation with Rob. Uh, Please bless over everybody listening, their friends, their families. Lord, please work with what's in our hearts, work with, with what you're putting on our hearts and minds. If we're having doubts, Lord, please allow us to go out and search. Uh, For answers to those doubts, seek understanding and listen to your guidance. Um, Continue to bless us. Keep us in your presence. Uh, In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And that brings me to the announcements. If you're interested in coming on as a guest or um, have a testimony or a baptism that you want live at uh, Lewis Beach, you can contact us at liftupnations at gmail.com. Or call us or text us at 302-313-6190. Until next time, God bless.